Hi, Safina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I am so excited that you're here. I'm very excited. So we met very briefly at the Raw Live show. Mm -hmm. And you touched me because you said, are you going to give young women a voice? Yeah. And I'm like, hell yeah, I am. And you're like, really? And you you said right away, like, I want to be on your yeah. show. And here you are. And I'm excited because I think as a younger woman, mm -hmm. I think you have a lot to say. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions okay, and uh, get comfy and <laughs> okay. have some wine and enjoy yourself. And um, yeah. So if I asked you what authenticity means to you, what would you say? I would say it's being free to be who you are. And I want to say that because authenticity can mean so many things. I feel like people put on faces of authenticity. So myself around my family, I may be different and still authentic. But with my friends, it's completely different. And with my partner, it's completely different. So I think there's different faces to authenticity. It's layered. I, I think you are probably the best answer to that question because you, you just kind of packaged it up in a beautiful bow and that was so real like that was so real and i agree because i think authenticity is fluid right and it yeah. changes with like you said where we are yeah. who we're with and 100 percent. so i'm gonna let you briefly describe a little bit about yourself because nobody knows at home who you are and yeah. i don't even know um a lot about you so yeah um well i'm still young 23 turning 24 this year which is weird for me to say out loud i think just a baby yeah growing up and it's quick it's really fast i feel like 19 was just yesterday so very weird for me um, I got my first big girl job this year. You did? Yeah. I, I work at Western. So I just finished my degree. I got a double major honors in criminology and history. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Very exciting. I graduated in October. So it's still very fresh. So the adult life is still very new to me. Um, yeah. Young, biracial. Um, so my mom is Black and my dad is Eastern European. Um, so yeah, I grew up in like a crazy loud family. I'm a loud person, a lot of energy. Um, I can never tell. stop talking. <laughs> no, keep talking. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. That's pretty much me. I find that I, my passion's really just like helping people talking about who I am. And I think authenticity is something that really resonates with me, like being who you are. Good for you. Good for you. So Growing up in a biracial family, mm -hmm. did you struggle with that? Like, did you? Yeah. Yeah. I still kind of struggle with that, I find. I think for the first time that was ever real for me was really during BLM. Um, that movement for me was emotional. I kind of had to navigate being, yeah, two different people. And I think like, even when I grew up, there was a lot of mean kids, um, I got a lot of, you're not black, you're not white, you don't fit in here, you're not in any boxes. Yeah, it sucks. So I find that when I was younger, I'd check off other a lot. Like I wasn't black and I wasn't white, so I was other and I'd put biracial or mixed. And now I'm confident enough to say I'm a black woman and I'm very proud to be a black woman, but I still think that comes with layers again. Some people may think that I'm black. Some people may think that I'm more white. Some people may think I don't fit into any box. Do you, so when you're um, with your black friends, mm -hmm. 
do you, do they discriminate? Like, do they make you feel like I'm just, yeah. I find more so the younger generation. It's so different. We're used to seeing diversity. We're used to talking about these things. And I think that social media makes them very real. So I think that we have even more allies now than anyone would have had before. Even my white friends, they might not understand, but if I come to them and say like, this really made me feel like crappy about myself. You can swear. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like really (laughs) shitty. And they'll try to, they know they don't understand, but they'll try to help me navigate that too. And I think that there's a lot of code switching that comes with that too. Like who I can be in front of my white friends may be different who I can be in front of my black friends because the language is different. You don't want to be the angry black woman stereotype. You don't want to be the ghetto girl. Can I talk about my extensions with you? Will you make fun of my hair? Are you going to ask me if it's fake? So like a lot of, you kind of have to censor yourself sometimes. So the question is sometimes I I think we need to ask, and I I did have a black man on a podcast today, and it's almost like I hesitate Mm -hmm. to ask the question. He's like, just ask, because (laughs) sometimes we don't know. And I think if we can see what someone's intention is, Mm -hmm. then it's better because there's all like, I've had so many um, black girlfriends throughout my life and some black boyfriends and Mm -hmm. things like that. And sometimes the questions of like, even when, so the one lady said to me, I hate that women come up and touch my hair. Yeah. Like, it really bothers me. Like, how would you feel if, you know, I touched Ooh. your hair? I, I'm cool with it because yeah. I'm just an open book. But just knowing those things and sometimes asking the questions and mm-hmm. like, would you rather that people ask. ask? Yeah, I think that it's like a respectful thing because it comes down to like a microaggression. Like we talk about it in my office as a bee sting or like a mosquito bite. Like you get one, it doesn't really hurt and you may see it, but it's not that bad, but you get 10 in one day, your body's on fire and you just want to scream and rip your skin off. So I think that people don't understand what it feels like sometimes. Even me, like I'm a light-skinned person, I'm biracial. So I also have a privilege and it's something I have to recognize sometimes too. Talking to my friend who's a dark-skinned woman versus my experience as a light-skinned woman in society, I have a lot of privilege. So even though I may be Black, I still have to be very respectful of how I do things too, because sometimes I might understand their experience. So I think that you just have to be really, I think it's meaningful to want to be educated too. Like asking questions is important. That's how we learn. I agree. And and I'm so glad, like you seem like you've, you're a big voice and a big advocate for young women, right? Which is really important. And yeah. I, I really hope that um, you keep doing this a lot, oh, right? Cause it, so. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say has been, I mean, you're still very young, but mm-hmm. your most raw moment in your life Ooh. thus far, um, kind of that aha moment or something that has really yeah. defined you? That's a good question. I honestly think it was, getting my education. Uh, My parents, I'm a first-generation graduate. My mom didn't finish college. She had me at 19. My dad only finished high school, so they didn't really understand what being in school was like, and I think that was hard to navigate on my own, like kind of figuring out what even is my education going to get me? Where do I go? Who can I learn from? Who can I learn more from? Um, And I focused a lot of my research in my school on like marginalized voices. So like Black women in Canada, we don't talk about them. We don't talk about Black men in Canada. We talk about Martin Luther King and Rose Parks, Mm -hmm. and that's Black history. So lots of 
I think shining light on things that we really didn't know was really important to me for my education. That was the first time I was really passionate about work. And that's why I kind of got into, I do equity, diversity, inclusion work. So I'm always trying to advocate for people that really can't. And I think that younger generations need to do better and not, we're, we're at a baseline right now. So I'll say that we're at a good start, but there's so much more we can learn from each other. So by you being educated and having that opportunity that mm-hmm. maybe your mom and dad yeah. didn't have, you would say has been the, the rawest moment in your life, oh, but yeah. also the most defining moment that mm-hmm. has brought you into your power is 100%. what I'm seeing. Yeah, okay. like 100%. Like, I think I also share that experience a lot with my partner. Like, he's a white man and he's a cisgender white man. So straight, non-transgender man. And I think that even being able to help help him acknowledge his privilege in some cases where he's never had to experience that. And I think also navigating a life with a biracial girlfriend, someone who's black. He's never he's had black friends, but never really seen the internal life that someone has to live when they're a black person. It's even that comparison, like I don't I didn't realize how different we were until we had to be different. What do you feel has been your biggest challenge being a Black woman, growing up as a Black woman? Hmm, that's a really good question. I honestly think it's understanding what being Black means to me. Um, and I still kind of feel that because, like I said, I feel like you don't really fit into boxes. I think that you kind of def- have to define your own reality and your own identity and be able to be confident with that and carry yourself with that. And I think because I do have the coarse hair, don't show it all the time, but I do have coarse hair and I'm a lighter person. So I think that one challenge I have is being able to be authentically me, embracing my hair, embracing my blackness sometimes because my mom didn't really show her hair to us and she didn't really embrace that side of her. She grew up with her white mom. So she almost was assimilated into this culture very quickly and a lot of her blackness was hidden from her. So it's kind of like reclaiming myself. Did you, do you have a really close relationship with your mom? Yeah. Yeah. And your father as well? Yeah. Like we're a close family. We're a hectic family, (laughs) but yeah, I think you really don't have a choice. Like when your mom has you that young, you kind of, we pretty much are friends more than she's my parent. Like we grew up together. And do you find that difficult that you that she's more of a friend than because sometimes you need her to be a real mom, right? So can she separate that or? I don't think so sometimes. I think that when she wants to be a parent, she forgets I'm an adult and that's sometimes hard. And then even some of the conversations we have are a little too friendly for a mother and daughter. Right. Well, I you know, I, I have to be honest. Um, I long for, a re- I never had a great relationship with my mom or my dad and they, they've passed. And I would say that I really, like when I see mothers and daughters, mm-hmm. I really miss it. Yeah. And so I think your mom's probably doing the best that she can being so yeah. young, having you. And mm-hmm. yeah. So, and I think that as I get older, that's something so, such a foreign like subject to me to think about. Like, oh my gosh, I would have had a five-year-old. Like, that's, I don't know how I would do that. So like I watch, I don't know if you've seen the show Jenny and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, <laughs> like flew through that season yeah. really quick. Yeah. But like that show made me humanize my mom a lot. Right. And I think that young women, especially, there's a lot of 
things and emotions that could develop. Like definitely, obviously, every kid has resentment towards their parents. There's things that I have to go do my own work for now and fix so I don't have these issues with my kids. But I forget to humanize my mom because she's so close to me. So that really, for me, seeing a young mom, the struggle someone has to go through, obviously a lot more stuff there to unpack from the show. Mm -hmm. But like just the realness, the rawness of that show kind of made me think my mom was 19. How did she do it? So if you could tell your mom, if you haven't already, like one thing, like what would you want to say to her? Like if it was, I'm sure you have many things to say, but something that you think might be able to help her. Uh, I'm proud of you. I'm sure she doesn't hear that a lot. I've probably never told her that either. I've said I'm grateful for you, but I think like hearing I'm proud of you, you've made it this far. I'm okay. And I'm successful. And I think that I sometimes forget she gave up everything she could have had to make me as successful as possible. And you don't really see that often. And I love that you recognize that, but I bet that would mean the world to her. She said that to her. Probably. Right? So maybe you can do that. Yeah. Come back and tell us how that went. I'll have to now. I'm kind of like, I'm going to get emotional telling her that. But yeah. But she needs to see that, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes. We hold in our hearts all the things that we want to say. And I'm getting a bit emotional because <laughs> the night my mom um, passed away, um, we had an argument that night and I still hold on to it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So don't hang on to things that are in your heart because mm-hmm. you just don't know. Right. So, okay. Yeah. This is not supposed to be about <laughs> me crying. Um, I almost teared up too. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to bite my tongue right now. <laughs> um, okay. Next question for you. If you could put everyone that you have ever met in one room, dead or alive, and you could only look for one person, who would you go to? Wow, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, Honestly, and this may sound so weird because it's not even someone I'm close to, but my high school guidance counselor. Um, weird thing to say, but I went through a lot of just family stuff growing up, like young parents didn't really always know how to deal with me. I was the problem child. I had, I have ADHD. So I was always, (laughs) I was always kind of doing my own thing and rebelled against my parents pretty hard. Never wanted to understand where they were coming from. Now that I'm older, I can see maybe there was parts of me that weren't always the best either, but there's still obviously any kid goes through some type of trauma. So I just didn't know how to navigate that. And that was the first person to look at me and be like, you are not a parent. You don't need to deal with these things. You are just you. You're a kid. Like go to school, be successful, get out of the city. And I moved to Ottawa for my first two years of school. And that was the best decision I've ever made. Like I grew up really quick always. I've always been very responsible, very independent, but that was the first time where I had to let my barriers kind of down and do it all on my own for the first time. And it was scary. I moved home because I couldn't handle it. And I had the privilege to move home and I was grateful for that. But I think I needed those two years. And I've never had anybody be so raw with me about really just being a young kid and like what that involves and how to actually navigate that life and why there's benefits to being on your own and independent. And I just thought I was like an outcast. So 
did you back then when your guidance counselor was sharing all this, like, did it resonate or no? So now you're probably like, wow, that was a defining moment for me in my life, right? Like she pushed me to do something I never thought I could do. I just wanted to give up like any 16 year old girl who's depressed and anxious and doesn't know how to navigate puberty and all these different crazy things. And I didn't, my mom didn't really get it and she had her own stuff going on. So she couldn't get it. So I think it was almost like a, almost like a parental figure that was there for me. And I had, I was forced to go see her once a week. So I can only imagine I didn't like her very much in the beginning, but now I'm, ever so grateful for everything that she said to me because that made me who I am today. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Do you hold a lot of um, resentment towards your mom or your family? Yes. And I think it's sad to say this, like definitely my dad played a role in that too, but I think it's because you pick the parent that you know will never give up on you. And that's kind of how I want to phrase it. Like after doing work on myself, I think I put a lot of the burden on my mom because I know that she'll always be there, that she'll just take it sometimes. And I know that's so wrong to say, but I think that after you do self-help work and all these things and you go to therapy and you learn about yourself, you realize that sometimes you can't control how people act, but other times you wish you could. And I think that I think maybe I wish I got more support from my mom in ways I never did. And I was able to do that for myself. But I think overall, like just understanding her circumstances now, I get it. But there was definitely, there still kind of is resentment, but I think it's a healthy resentment now. It's kind of like we can work through that as I get older. Sometimes it takes us getting a little bit more mature, right? And our own life lessons that we learn along the way that help us look at things oh, a lot yeah. differently and wait till you're a parent. That's what I always think. Right? I'm like, so. when I have kids, I'm going to be like, I'm sure I gave yeah. you a few issues yeah. too. <laughs> um, with the pandemic and just mm-hmm. in life and the pressures of being a younger biracial woman, mm-hmm. do you find that you struggle with anxiety and depression and like, have, yeah. yeah? Yeah. I... I'm always anxious. I think that's kind of like a precursor to the ADHD too. Like you're hyperactive. I do take medicine for that. Um, but it took me a really long time to also be comfortable with that medicine. There's a lot of stigma around um, using medication. And I think that that also came from my parents, the way they were taught, mm-hmm. the way they were educated on mental health and disabilities was kind of completely opposite than what we've learned today. So I had to learn that on my own. And I think that anxiety is something I'll struggle with every day, but I think it's just learning to cope with it in my everyday life. Like learning when it's actual anxiety or if I'm excited or learning if it's anxiety or am I scared or is my gut telling me something? So I think that I've been doing a lot of personal training. um, So that's been helping. Um, and overall kind of like journaling, going to therapy and like taking steps to look at my life at like a bigger picture. Like what characteristics are in my life now that I do not want to pass on to my kids. And I think it's more so always thinking like the generations ahead of me, like what are my kids going to think if they have to go through that? Would I ever let them go through what I went through or kind of how can I better myself so that I could be the best mom I can be. And I know I'm so young, but I, 
I, I think it's great. I think it's great that you've got that forethought already, but I think that's a product of your upbringing and having a young mom and right. So you see all the things that you want to change and it's great that you're putting in all the the steps to make those changes. So good on you. Good on you. Um, how does your anxiety present for you? Like how, how do you, like you said, you don't know sometimes if you're excited or, you know, if something's bothering you, did, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm phrasing that question properly, That's but cool. yeah. I think mine's kind of, it, it overlaps kind of with depression. Like I find that she gives me a little burnout period so I can be like, oh my gosh, let's do all these things. Let's do all these things. But if I overwhelm myself, then I also feel like a failure because I can't accomplish all the tasks that I've put on my plate now. And then that makes me anxious. So I think that I've kind of learned to work on a schedule basis. And a lot of people probably, I see people look at my schedules and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. But I usually fill out like a planner for my day, but by hour. Okay. So I'm an hourly planner. And if it doesn't work out, then I just schedule it the hour next. So I think that learning to find tools and tactics that work with my anxiety was really beneficial. Also, therapy was like the number one best thing for me to be able to express how I feel in that moment. Like working on communication skills as well. Like I find that me and my partner have put a system in place where like once a month we sit down and we talk about things that made us anxious or what did I do to frustrate you this week that you didn't tell me about? So where does all this come from? Like, how do you, is it just <laughs> like, has someone helped you um, put all these measures in place or it's just like in you? I think it's just, I'm very empathetic and I've always been really cognizant and very self-aware, which is always a good thing. Um, and I kind of catch myself before things get, worse. So I find even with my depression, if I'm in a state where I'm, I'm really not okay, but I know the signs now. So if I feel like I'm slipping in things or I'm making excuses for too many things, or I feel kind of my personal relationships kind of separate, or if I feel like I'm distancing myself from people, I know right then and there, okay, I got to talk about this. There's something bothering me. So I think being self-aware, very empathetic and kind of feeling everyone's emotions and my own is overwhelming. So I have to talk about them or else I feel like I'm going a little crazy. Wow. I, I just think at your age, I, you're just like, you amaze me. <laughs> like you've got a lot to be grateful for. And I, I think you've got like an amazing road ahead of you. Yeah. Um, I can't believe how quick our time's going, I but I, I do want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, if I asked you, what makes you happy? Um, A lot of things make me happy, but I think, honestly, being able to wake up every single day makes me happy because it even little things like being able to feed myself and pay for my rent on my own and make sure because those are little simple things that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do. Like even having a professional job at my age, like that is beyond, beyond a privilege. Like I can't even begin to explain how privileged I am for that. So I think honestly, just a lot of things and being able to give back to other people. I don't have a lot because I'm still young, but even being able to give someone five, ten dollars makes me very happy right. like, to it's help just, out. Yeah, it makes a huge difference, yeah. doesn't it? So um one last question that I want to ask you, but you need to close your eyes for it and um don't open them until I say so. Um the first word that comes to mind. You can open now. 
perseverance. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Let's get breathing.